and see what the Lord wants to do. If you're our guest here this morning, uh, we're in the middle of a series called Becoming, Becoming More Like Jesus uh, as we press into him. And I prayed at the beginning, and it's one of the things that I really feel the Lord's really pressing upon my heart and my own personal journey right now is teaching me how to abide in Christ, how to be in him. The vine and the branches, to be connected, woven into the vine. And I don't know about you, but as a follower of Jesus and as a professional Christian that I am, because I'm paid to be good, it's really, that's a joke. Please don't, if you think in any way, shape or form, I mean any of that, I don't. Um, There's a tendency to get so wrapped up in the things that we do for him that we neglect our very soul and we forget what it is that God's wanting to do actually in us. And that's so much more important. So that's what we've been doing over the last number of weeks. And last week I I taught about um, a, a formational practice for reading the scriptures. And some of you have heard of it, many of you practice this, and it's, uh, it's called Lectio Divina, which is Latin, and it simply means to, uh, to come in such a way that we read the scriptures in such a way that it forms, uh, that, that allows God to speak to us through the scriptures, rather than us trying to unpack and understand the scriptures trying to unpack its context and when it was written, why it was written, and what is meant by the scriptures. Lectio Divina allows God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, to speak through the word of God to master us. So rather than us trying to master the text, we're inviting God to speak to us through the word that would master us and speak to us. That's what we looked at last week, and we had a little go. And what I thought we would do as we introduce this morning is have another go. And the reason being is twofold. One, we get to practice it. We get to actually do it here and now. But also, secondly, because it it actually leads into the rest of what I'd like to say this morning. And so, there are different stages of it, and uh, they're there. Uh, We ready ourselves we read the scripture and we spend some time just reflecting on it and then some time responding and then some time just resting and then later today you can return to it so i'm going to lead us in this and i hope you're okay with this if you're not i'm sorry um tell me off afterwards um But here goes. Why don't you just begin by closing your eyes. Just ready yourself, your soul. Free your mind. God, we are already in your presence. We invite you now, Lord, to Just speak to us. May we be open. May we be attentive to what you want to say personally to each one of us.
okay, you can go ahead and open your eyes. So the words will come up on the screen, and I'm going to read them through twice. Some of my favorite verses in the Bible. If ever Chantelle ever allowed me to get a tattoo. Not that I'm really wanting to get one, if I'm really honest. I'm not that edgy. There's a verse in here which I would like to maybe get inked on me. I've totally blown the moment, haven't I? We probably need to go back to the ready bit, don't we? Let's just read it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So again, one more time, and as I read the words, and if you're choosing to kind of read along, just be mindful of the, it could be one single word, or it could be a phrase, or it could be a couple of portions of it, that God just really gets your attention. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now take some time to just reflect on the word or the words that most caught your attention.
and now move into a time of responding. Ask yourself these questions. What does that mean for you? How would you like me to respond? What is it that you're inviting me into? How does this change my situation or my circumstances? How are you leading me to pray? just rest in his presence. Now, I have no doubt that all over this room, God has been meeting with all of us, actually, in some way. In a simple way, in a deeply profound way. As we center our lives on Him, and we invite the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to speak to us deeply. So, folks, that was just a little practice. And this is reading the scriptures in a formational, in a way that God can form us kind of way. What I'd like to do is speak from the scriptures in an informational way for the rest of our time. And we're kind of taking a little bit of a, uh, not a break, but a, maybe a little bit of a pit stop. Instead of us looking at other practices of kind of these spiritual formation things, I want us to reflect on our position and the way that we see ourselves before the Lord. I want us to look at centering on Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, abiding in Jesus, becoming more like him, is what we're actually pursuing and pressing forwards for. But I think that the way that we approach him is greatly affected by the way in which we see ourselves. And our position in him. And that will become clear as we go on. We're going to read a fair bit from uh, Romans chapter 6. It's going to come up. I want to whiz through it. And then we're going to kind of just go over it again. And again help us to reflect the way that we see ourselves. And the way that we see him. And then the way in which we approach him. 
because I think this is really, really important and foundational for everything, this whole conversation that we've been having over these last few weeks. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. There is loads that we could talk about. I appreciate I've read a lot, and probably some of you may be switched off halfway through that. I want to pick up on just a few things, and just to mention, Romans is our go-to book in the scriptures for understanding grace, for understanding the death and the resurrection and the atonement for our sins. It is the foundational book in the Bible for helping us to understand our position of sons and daughters saved by grace. So we pick up right at the beginning and Paul asks the question, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Meaning, seeing as Jesus forgives us, why can we not just go out and have a party and let ourselves down and just do whatever the heck we want to because God's going to forgive us anyway. And Paul is not saying that here at all. He says that we have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or maybe put slightly differently, why would you want to live in it anymore? we're set free and we're forgiven why would we choose to do that he goes on and mentions baptism into Christ Jesus when we were baptized into his death therefore buried with him through his baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father we may too live a new life whenever we do our baptisms we explain this to those who are being baptized and we sometimes depending on the weather conditions right some of you have been there and we do a bit of a chit chat beforehand and then some of us have been there and it's just like let's just get them in and let's get them done and let's go and have some fun with a barbecue afterwards and it's kind of weather dependent but sometimes when we do just the explanation we make it really clear that the, the immersion of water 
as the person goes down underneath, where actually it's a spiritual representation of death and being buried with him through the cross as we go down into the waters and that the bringing up, which most of you are really glad to be raised back up by us afterwards, is your signifying or the, the spiritual resemblance is the resurrection into the new life. And I want to point out this morning and remind ourselves, especially those of us who've been Christians for years, that we have new life in him. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And this is the point I really want to help us to understand and drill this morning is, in Jesus, we have new life. Cast your minds back, those of you who, when you gave your life to Jesus, for some of you, it kind of sort of maybe have drifted into that sort of relationship. But for many of us, me being one of them, I remember when I first became a Christian and I began, like the penny just dropped and it was my moment and it was my time. And I was just like, oh my goodness, you mean everything that I've ever done, everything that I've said, everything that I've thought that wasn't right, that stuff that I just carry around on my shoulders, like the, the guilt and the shame and the, all that horrible stuff that I'm kind of carrying on my back the whole time at that moment is forgiven, done, dealt with, and we are free. And I remember that time at the age of 16, feeling kind of really sort of liberated and thinking, oh my God, that is just wonderful. If you've been a Christian for two years, 20 years, 50 years, that same thing, that same not just the feeling, the emotional feeling, because we, we can be a bit fleeting like that. The reality is this. The same thing is true today for us as followers of Jesus. He offers us a new life. We are reborn in that moment and in that time. It's this new life that we have in Christ that we really, really need to understand the Bible talks in 2 Corinthians about us becoming a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. We are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are adopted into his family. We are heirs and co-heirs to all that the Father has for us. Life in all its fullness. Knowing who we are and who we belong to is absolutely key and critical for our relationship with Jesus and the way in which we approach him and come before him. The reality is this, that for many of us who are Christians and followers of Jesus, we are still living much closely to the old covenant instead of the new covenant. Some of us understand that, some of us don't. Very briefly, the old covenant is the law, is the keeping of the commandments. The new covenant is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And therefore, as the scriptures that we've just read concluded, we are no longer under the law, but we are saved by grace. And that is good news. That is wonderful news. But many of us feel and experience and carry the guilt and the shame on our backs. 
and we're still feeling that and we're still striving to become that person that we ought to be or that person that we feel we should be. Been a Christian all these years and we're still struggling with X, Y and Z and we feel, oh my goodness. But the reality is and what I feel strongly that God wants to speak to us today is today you are who I am who you say I am. Isn't that, isn't that what we sing? If we begin to believe that and not believing that you're something else or someone else, we come to the scriptures in, those way, in that way and we begin to believe the truth. For we know that the old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. How many times we sing that song? I'm close to doing it. I'm no longer a slave to sin, to fear. I knew I'd get it wrong. I am a child of God. That's who we are. That's our position. That's our place. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to him. That's who we are. Now, folks, it doesn't mean that we're never going to sin again. Of course, of course, that is inevitable. It's the kingdom now, the kingdom not yet. We're a fallen man. But it does mean that having encountered Jesus, we are free from sin. Consider just a couple of stories from the scriptures. Consider the woman caught in adultery. She's there, the guys have brought her, they're each lifting the stone, they're about to hurl it at her. Jesus does what he does and he says what he says and the crowd disperse and they leave her alone. And the woman says to Jesus, what about you? What about you? He says, I don't condemn you, but leave your life of sin. He doesn't say, just go ahead and see if you can sin a little bit less. He just says, leave it and choose a new way. Consider the, the, the fella at the pool of Bethesda. He's trying to get into the pool. Jesus heals him. And his words to him at the end is, leave your life of sin or something else bad or worse might happen to you. Again, he doesn't say, try really hard to kind of be a good boy and all that. He says, no, leave it. Leave it. Consider the woman at the well. One of the best and most loved stories. The woman at the well who's had all these husbands and da-di-da. She encounters Jesus. And at that moment, her life is radically changed. Now, my guess is she probably still had her struggles. She probably still had her issues. I'm sure the enemy still tempted her to go a certain way. But Jesus is inviting us into this new life that we are alive in Christ. Some of us need to hear the words that we find in Ephesians. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. 
for many of us as we approach him. We need to wake up, wake up to the newness and the fullness of what Jesus is offering us. We are under grace and that is the starting point. How does this affect the way in which we approach Jesus through prayer, through reading the Bible, through worship, through silence and solitude, to being open to receiving the Holy Spirit? How does it affect? It affects everything. The way that we see ourselves and our position in Him, if we have got that wrong, it will prevent us from coming before Him. I know the times that I struggle to read the Bible. I know the times when I struggle to come onto the fields of praise is often the times when I feel a complete scumbag. I feel like I've messed up. And that is the very moment and the very time that we're meant to come before him. I think, this is just a hunch, it's just a thought, I could be wrong. You know at the end of our services when we invite people to come forwards for prayer. Now, I know that for a lot of people, that the actual reality of doing that is really, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's very hard for some people to do that. But I think one of the stumbling blocks and one of the problems or one of the issues is just that not feeling good enough. And I want to say, and I want to encourage us this morning, that that isn't true at all. That isn't true. Because of him, we are good enough. We are chosen, holy in his sight. We're a son and daughter of the king, accepted love. This is our identity. And it's important that we gain this identity. And the last thing I'm going to say is this. It's important that we know who we are, but it's also important that we know who he is. Because if we think that God is like this authoritarian headmaster, strict boss, sergeant major person who's just going to be angry and mad at us, we're going to avoid him. We're not going to come before him. But if we believe that God is who he is, a loving father, someone who runs to us, someone who embraces us, someone who takes his cloak off us and clothes us in his righteousness and celebrates us, then we are much more likely to come before him and want to be in his presence through all the things that we've been talking about. Church, this is our prayer. This is our hope. This is our desire. It's about personal relationship with Jesus. And once we get off course of that, we may as well pack up shop and go and do something else. It is about relationship with each one of us and him and he invites us and he welcomes us that we may abide in him and one of the practices that we get to do is the practice that Jesus did with his friends and he invites us to do this morning and that's the share in the meal or part of the meal that he shared at Passover